Everybody has their own. Everybody's born with something. To feel something about somebody, to have dreams. Everybody's born with something. Shows me you have a long life ahead of you. Shows me that you're sensitive. You forgive if somebody hurts you, but you never forget. You're honest and upfront with people. If you're having an issue with somebody, you'd rather say to their face than talk behind their back. You try to avoid confrontation at all costs. When it comes to you, you like to speak your mind, but lately you feel like it's been getting you in trouble. You feel like you can't really say what you want. You feel like you're closed off when it comes to work. You can't feel like you can't be as vocal as you want to be. Because I feel like they're keeping you in a box when it comes to work. And that's why you feel like you want to be vocal and express yourself. The energy is very intense. Like, it's very hostile. I feel like it's too competitive. You get what I mean? Like, it's over the point where it's not healthy anymore. It's definitely past that point. It's more to prove a point. When it comes to you, there's a lot of changes coming up. Lately, you feel like you have no connection with anybody because you're not this person. You're competitive. Definitely are competitive. When you want something, you want it. Nothing or nobody can stop you. You're driven when you're passionate about something. But lately, you feel like you can't find your passion. You feel like you can't find your drive. You feel no connection. You've been struggling lately. You feel like you don't have a clear mind. You definitely have no peace. And I feel like another thing is that you're not connecting with any of the people at school. And that's making you feel distant as well. And the teachers, you feel like you can't, I don't want to say can't trust them, but you feel like you can't really rely on them. At a certain point, I feel like there was even this relationship that you got into that was very toxic. And that really made you second-guess yourself. And that took away whatever faith in yourself you had, it took it away. So my job, I'm a spiritualist. This is what I specialize in. So I would love to help you today. And from there, we'll be able to tell you how many chakras are dead, if they need to be restored, what's going on. That's like the next step. But that is going to bring you back your confidence. That's going to make you... Feel a connection again. You don't feel a connection because you're not in tune with the universe. Whatever the universe wants for you, you're not receiving. You're on the whole other wavelength. So to connect you, to get you back, is we have to make you basically reborn. So I would love to help you to release all this toxic energy. You could sleep better. You could eat better. You could think straight. And we'll... Find out where you're supposed to go and what path you're supposed to be on. You've been battling depression for way too long. You've been struggling yourself. Don't think about it too long. It's 300 for my work, but that's all the material I'm giving you. That's the crystals, that's the bath, that's everything. We need to get you on the right path so you don't waste any more time. Because you're going through all of this on your own. And I would love to help you take some of that stress off of you. There's no reason for you to be going through this. I'm here for you to help you, to coach you, to make every decision that comes your way. And you definitely need somebody to talk to right now. So I'm here for you. All right.
What you just heard was a piece covertly recorded and edited by India Armstrong. Um, she is currently a sophomore in the art school, if I remember correctly. Awesome recording. Thank you so much for sending it to us. Um, yeah, if you want anything to be put up on the show, or if you want to have your own, your very own show, just email me. It's totally easy to set up. No problem. All right, let's get to the show. I'm Alex Tomlinson, and this is Cooper Quest. This story um, comes from Isaiah Davis. He told a, a much shorter version of the story in one of my classes. It was hilarious, sad. He's just a great storyteller, basically. I can't really say much else. Um, I, I will have to say, though, the recording ended up being over one hour. So I think I'm actually going to split this up into, mm, say, three three separate episodes. So anyway, I'll try not to end on a cliffhanger, but, you know, can't make any promises. Listening to myself tell a story, I think I have a funny a funny voice. But at the beginning of... Um, at the beginning of the end of last semester, I was looking for a job, and I was looking in all, like, in, like, all the wrong places or whatever. And I said um, to... One of the one of the people in the painting offices was like, "It's funny when you get a, accepted to Cooper, you kind of get used to not you, you get used to people not saying no to you. Isn't that like a funny thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, you get in and you feel like, yo, I just like did like some hard shit, and then you get in and then like everything is like you can do shit." But then you go back out, and then you re- you realize how many people are gonna say no to you. Right, and a lot of people are just like, "What? What is Cooper?" Yeah, for real. It's, it's like not even fuck it if they don't if they if they even know what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's just like the feeling, like yeah, of being at Cooper and shit. Like people don't say the people are so generous here. It's like a big family. So at that time, I was looking for um, I was looking for a job. And <laughs> I was looking for a job, and I, I went first. I went to talk to my boy Lewis, and Lewis, me and him, we grew up, um, we grew up together since I was like seven or something like that. So I hit him up, and he worked at some fucked up Burger King in, in Queens, and he told me to commute. Now I live in the Bronx, but he gave me some fucked up, like obscure uh, route that required like two buses and a train. And he told me this is where you were supposed to go. And it was like a two hour and 30 minute trip. And I'm like, I am not doing this. And I got to get I, I was I had to get there at like 6 a.m. in the morning. So I'm like, what the fuck? So I got to wake. I got to basically wake up at midnight to clean myself and hop on the train and shit. So I said no to that job. And I kept looking for shit. So I asked everybody. I asked everybody. I asked everybody in the shop if maybe I knew like a fabrication job or whatever right so everybody was like yo maybe i could hook you up with something but you know they all you know they they all kind of came up dry like nothing was really popping you know and and that's just kind of how it is like 
looking for work. Like, no one is really going to hire you unless, like, they know you and shit. Or, like, like if you come out of college, like, you know, you, you like, what I've realized anyway, like, at a real serious disadvantage, unless you really know your shit. So if you don't know your shit, you're not going to find a job. Or at least, or if if you're, like, pretty and white, like, it, that makes a difference for, like, those types of jobs. But as far as, like, shit like fabrication and all that other, like, dumb shit, like... <clears throat> Like, I thought you could just be some big, burly uh, character and just get the job or whatever. So I figured I fit in that that criteria. But there was also, like, a knowledge of things. But I was really good at, like, metal work. So that was out there. Like, oh, Isaiah, he knows how to weld and he understands metal. And kind of like a fetish. So I made myself good at it. So um, am I on point? Yeah, no, this is great. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you know, yeah, so it was like kind of like a fetish. So I got good at it, so I put that out there. Um, I put that out into the world and shit. So <clears throat> after um, after uh, I did the um, that whole the, the, that thing and whatever, and, and everybody came up short. I'm moving into the summer now, and I'm like, shit, I don't have any any bread and uh, whatever paper that they gave me um, from the financial aid office. Like that shit was it was slowing up real quick, you know. Like I <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm like. I'm over here looking at like two hundred dollars to last me like a month. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm about to be toast. Like it's, it's gonna be like. So one day, I'm, I'm on the internet. You know, I'm, I'm in my, you know, I'm just chilling. I'm on the internet. I'm on Facebook, and like the strangest of people hit me up, right? And it's not even strange, cause they strange or whatever. But it was strange because we don't really talk outside of like school or whatever. I think we talked. We had a real good conversation once. He hit me up and was like, "Yo, you, you want a job, a metalworking job?" And I'm like metal working job like what the like why the fuck like i never seen you work with metal how you got a metal working job right and he was like yeah it was some job that i got with this guy named igor metal where i'm thinking yo i'm gonna be like some welder like apprentice or whatever like i'm gonna go into the shop and like be around the materials you know we're gonna talk it's not gonna be no no bullshit you know it's gonna be like a ill experience where i'm like oh maybe i come out of it like knowing uh really cool people so i'm like hell yeah take that shit how much they paying an hour right probably realize that we actually can't split this up into three parts it, it it's going to be split up into as many parts as it needs to be split up into so expect part two in the next show anyway all right music some crazy sound effects um, beautiful anyways right on all right so um you are my name oh shit my name is ishraki um student at cooper like everybody else here so we were just having a, a crazy discussion about your uh, performances. Yeah, and you actually came in with a question about, in your research for job interview questions, <laughs> what am I... F- come again. I, I Actually, the, the question was, what is your biggest weakness? Weakness, right. Right, right, right. And that right. kind of... And that, I was thinking about performance earlier, and I was just telling you about how fears play into that. And my weakness is technically my strength in relationship to performance because that's what actually fuels my performances is that there's something in my head that I want to express, that I want to explore, 
Actually, that's another thing. I don't think I'm trying to express anything in performance, but rather investigate. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I'm really curious about and want to explore is fears, and my own personal fears with like social anxiety or like being stuck in a loop kind of thing. You know, <laughs> that kind of like whatever concerns me and makes me uncomfortable. That's a really fertile ground for me to like explore in performance. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting because.、Um, I remember the first time I, I walked into one of your performances.、Mm. I did not. I didn't know who you were. Right, right. right.、Um, and it was the one, in the foundation building in the circular elevator. Right. And if I remember correctly, definitely correct me if I'm wrong. I think,、um, you, there was graph paper all around the walls,、uh-huh. and you were filling in ones and zeros. Right. And I think you were whispering to yourself. And that's kind of all I remember. I just remember、it's, I was, it, it legitimately kind of, it scared me a tiny bit. Right.、Um, I mean, I've had people tell me that, and I guess my intention, maybe a little bit to scare others, but not. It was gr- it was great because I, I the what thing. What time did you come in? That would、oh. depend because it was a twelve hour long performance, so the trajectory changed quite a lot throughout、mm-hmm. the night. So the reason you say whispering. I was actually chanting ones and zeros throughout the night, so I'm guessing you came in more towards the earlier part of the day or like in yeah, the morning. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's when I was exhausted. You looked very exhausted. Enough strength to be、yeah. chanting at that point, and it became more like a just. But I kept. I was surprised that I could keep saying the same thing over and over for that long. I did not think I could, and I was afraid that I couldn't. But I guess that's why it was like. Turn to whisper at that point. And in what、uh, specific fear do you think you were investigating with that? Well, that was actually a, a prompt for. I mean, obviously, it was a prompt for class, and the prompt was "Quick Millions," which was as open as possible. You could do whatever the fuck you wanted. So, I. The word itself, "Quick Millions," didn't seem to make sense. Quick and millions don't go together in my head, even though. Money could be like very easy and、mm. quick and all that, but in my understanding of the number million, I want to like look at the number million. And I wrote down the zeros it takes, six zeros, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's a lot of zeros!" So I wanted to consider what would happen if I marked, if I made a million mark, just mark,、uh-huh. just single dashes, just marks,、okay. just marks,、mm-hmm. but a million of them. And I started calculating how much that would be, and I started like actually racing myself to see how much I could do, and、oh, then、wow. the grid came in to like actually calculate how、yeah. much I was making. It turns out I would need about three hundred hours of nonstop, full speed marking, to get to a million marks, which was a little absurd. <laughs> But I committed to that. I oh, mean, okay. And that's the thing, like whenever. Fascinating enough. On a side note, in a performance, when I have an idea, there's a lot of thinking that goes on of like me trying out different things or thinking about different concepts, different things, different explorations or whatever. And there always comes a moment where I have to commit to an idea. And after that, I'll just do it. But before that, it's still up for grabs. Right. That's when、Anything、it becomes like the self dare. Right. Exactly. It, <laughs> literally, that's when it becomes that I cannot back out of this.、Mm-hmm. I will do this, and that's it. There's、Wait, but if I again, if I remember correctly, in the in the piece, I don't think they were just marks, right?、No. Weren't they, they ones no, and zeros? No, no. They were ones and zeros, and okay, I'm sorry, because I could not like in the due time, I had like about 
Yeah, two I weeks three or even a week, three hundred hours. I could not, and I That's committed kind of to it. I started doing it. I mm. went through about a good, I would say, a thousand or maybe even ten thousand of them, mm-hmm. and I was like writing eight hours a day kind of thing. But then I was like, this is absurd, and that absurdity is what fueled the performance. Before that, I haven't done really performance, mm-hmm. quote unquote. So oh, that was like, was that your first like performance at Cooper? Large scale, perf- like, f- other than that, I made like a video that was. I had to do a performance, so mm-hmm. it wasn't an intrinsic, like, there, I have to do this. It was more like I had to do it for class. So that was the first performance, not even at Cooper, I would just say in general. Mm-hmm. So first performance, because it was about the futility of that uh, attempt to actually make a million mark. And I was curious about how to show what I was going through mm-hmm. trying to reach that mark. And I don't know, maybe... I think I was talking to Wasim about it, or some people. I was just talking about it, and it became the idea that just why don't you just show the process at that point of you trying to do this? And then it became like the grid started to influence the idea of ones and zeros, and I was also thinking about breaths, you know, like breathe in, breathe mm-hmm. out, and the rhythm of that. So I kind of wanted to like just become a automaton almost. I, l- just I love that. Noting um, down your time, noting down your moments. Yeah, I remember. I, I wish I could communicate like the experience to uh, people who may not have like right, seen that. Right, right. But it was really. I, I, I guess I haven't seen that many performances at Cooper, and to just go into that circular elevator and have mm-hmm. it covered in graph paper, and have I, like a half naked guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I remembered that right. detail. Um, marking down ones and zeros. And you were you were exhausted, I could tell. And it's and, it's always interesting to hear like what people saw because I could not see it. Mm-hmm. I made it an effort to not make eye contact with people and also to not engage in conversations. Right. Whereas yeah. I think that's actually kind of very difficult to not to like do it was and like i'm sure people, people wanted to talk yeah right. and people were like hey what's going nervous. on exactly and it would probably ease them it more. would it would probably yeah <laughs> come a lot out of the nervousness like, right hey could could what's like, going on exactly <laughs> exactly for class right and then that like settles down however if the person which at that point i wouldn't even consider myself a quote-unquote person mm-hmm. because i became a character i would say or like i if I look back at it in retrospect, I would say it was more like becoming the space because, frankly, and also before doing the performance that was 12 hours, I was in that elevator putting up the papers mm-hmm. for three days straight. So that whole rhythm of just hovering in space, going up and down, up and down, that actually does weird things to your body. The oh, whole I didn't week even think after that, that, I would be walking down the hallway and I would just feel the sense of weightlessness. Did you like also gravity going away? Yeah, and I would just like almost stumble because my body became so adjusted to that floating. Them, yeah, I know. Even after a day of like, say, like being out in the ocean or something, right, when you try right. to fall asleep, you're kind of in your bed and you feel that like rock, that, uh-huh. that rocking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I couldn't imagine after like that duration in an elevator. It changes you, and that's actually something I'm really moved by now. I guess. Not, I guess. Yeah, I am. It's like the transformation that happens depending on our behavior, our space, 
our frame of mind. I mean, these are all obvious things that changes us. However, doing a durational performance kind of puts that very much in face-to-face. -face. Like, you get to see those effects very immediately, whereas if you're being influenced by an idea, if you're being influenced by a space over the period of, let's say, six months, you might not be able to capture yourself, the changes in yourself, mm -hmm. that immediately. Right. You know, if someone didn't see you for a year and then came back and then was, oh, wow, you've changed, <laughs> then you'd be like, oh, wow, yeah. I about, suppose, right, but right. over, yeah, a durational piece that you have to... Do it yourself and be conscious through it. Right. You get to see those changes inside yourself. And I mean, I guess that's something I'm really drawn to is not the performance. Like I was telling you earlier about how I don't like the whole quotation of performance mm -hmm. because it makes it a thing. It makes it an event. It makes it something to be categorized, something to be grasped. And I don't like that element. I'm more investigating, I guess, just as a person, you know? And I told you, these are like my social anxieties or my fears or my concerns about self-image or whatever that I would be exploring through performances. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of funny, you know, the whole thing about um, in psychology, you do exposure therapy. Yeah, a little right. bit to get over something. A little something. bit at a time. So performance becomes uh, controlled, even though I like to make myself as vulnerable as possible. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I don't know if I can call that art because it's selfish, honestly. I'm not doing it for anybody. I'm doing it for... But I, I think other people, like, seeing you do these performances, like, it, it might open up a door for them. Like, right. they see you doing this and... And that's... They I say, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of like um, empathy, you know? Mm -hmm. Once you look at someone doing something or someone feeling something, you can empathize. You may not be in their shoe exactly, but being put in a similar situation, you can at least consider what might that be like, you know? And I'm not saying... All right, that about wraps it up for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully we'll have another episode out, I don't know, maybe this time, this same time next week? Who knows? 